0: A great hand reached out of the dark and grasped mine for a moment, vitally and tenderly. I said to myself, the veil between, though very dark, is very thin.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Thin Place. I am your host, Todd Truffin, and this is Ken Morfield. That's me. And today, we are going to be talking about the film Fever Pitch. The 1997 David Evans directed film of a Nick Hornby story. This is our 47th episode, and as in pretty much the previous 46 episodes, this is not a spoiler-free discussion. So if you have not seen the original Fever Pitch film, you may wish to go and listen to another one of our great podcasts while you also dig up Fever Pitch, which is now on Netflix. Yes. So it should be easy for you to. Or if you don't want to know whether or not Arsenal won the championship in 1980-whatever. whatever. 80 whatever. <laughs> yes, the the original, and I, we say the original because there was a Fairleigh Brothers remake. Um, boo! Boo! And the original that we are talking about is based on a, a soccer fan. The Fairleigh Brothers shifted to America and make it about baseball and do very more. But we'll talk about Colin first. So Ken, you had some ideas about some things that make this more than just a romance. Yes, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this film from a thin-place perspective was that it felt like a good hip hook to talk about something that evangelicals love to talk about these days, which is idolatry. When I was in college, in InterVarsity, our staff worker gave a speech that had always stuck with me, taking evangelicals past a little bit for the way they misuse the biblical concept of idolatry as basically being a pejorative way of talking about anyone's obsession. If you like golf a lot and played a lot of golf, and I didn't approve, I could say, well, oh, golf is your idol. If you spend too much time going to the movies, I'd say, oh, movies is your idol, and, you know, you shouldn't do that. And she tried to carve out a space to say simply being passionate about something was not enough to make it idolatry. She posited that the key point of idolatry was that the thing had to be that which you revolve your life around. Um, So give a structure to your life. Give a structure to your life. I was always satisfied with that definition or more satisfied with that definition I came to realize in revisiting this film that even that definition I felt might be a little bit too harsh because I think Paul Ashworth, the autobiographical Nick Hornby character who is obsessed with soccer and more specifically a particular team, Arsenal, his life does revolve around soccer. That's a part of the whole, he's got season ticket comedy, he's got season tickets. He's got Arsenal underwear. He's got Arsenal <laughs> underwear. His girlfriend takes him to task because he won't make plans for four months from now because he doesn't know. Let's until it. the fixture list comes yeah. out and he knows what days Arsenal will be playing and he'll be at the game, he won't make any other commitments, uh, and so on and so forth. And so, I mean, his life very much does revolve around... um that on a weekly basis, but I didn't feel as though in watching the film that Paul, you know, that Arsenal was his idol, you know. So it got me thinking a little bit about, well, okay, what additional things do I need besides obsession or rotating your life around something in order for it to be fit my definition or my understanding of what the Bible means for idolatry mm-hmm. or of idolatry? Before I share any of those or some of those, I'll throw it back to you and ask you, uh, what do you think of either that definition or Paul in the film? I mean, do you think you know Paul is guilty of idolatry? Or I guess I would say yes. I think he is in 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 that definition that your staff worker gave of this idea that it's the thing of, around which we build our life. I don't know that I would be necessarily as harsh, and, and this I I think you know maybe something we can think about is I I have no doubt in my mind that football arsenal is an idol for Paul but he's got nothing else Um, this is not, and I I think sometimes in evangelical circles when we get really pejorative about it, it's like well you're doing this other than God, well what if you don't have God? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, What if you don't have anything other, And and certainly one of the things that the Paul character is looking for in this film from his childhood is stability right? Um, his parents divorced when he's old enough to really understand what that means, and it certainly rocks his world. And he doesn't seem to have a lot of other things going on that are stable. And so, who who among us would not reach out for something that provides us with stability in our life? It, it becomes a way in the flashback scenes. For him to connect, however marginally, with his father. With his father, with other people. With other people, uh, to have a sense of identity. He says at one point in one of his voiceover monologues that the soccer place was like a family, like a family of choice in which no one was denied admittance. You all wanted the same things and hoped for the same things. And that's something that you very rarely get in another family where you were accepted. Right. And that you could count on each other and rely on each other. And there's, and there's an interesting bit early on when his father says to him, you have to be careful right, about which team you select. And, of course, young Paul, his his first experience going to a live game is Arsenal. And it's like a little duckling imprinting on Arsenal. And that. and I've had that experience. Right. I know my first live baseball game was going to the Cleveland Indians and... Here I am 40 years later, and I'm still an Indians fan, um, and it's not like there's been a lot to cheer for, but there is something about that first you know, visceral experience right. um, that, that really does make an impression. Um, and we see Paul, and, that, and that's his life right there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to you know, the question of, I, I, I think it is an idol. Uh, I'm not ready to, to make it such a pejorative sort of judgment upon him. Um, it's more of, I mean, I think in some sense, this is a lost person. Okay, grasping for whatever, so we're I'm with you on that i It sounds like I'm questioning whether or not it's an idol, and you're more willing to accept it as an idol but then sort of say that it's not having idols is not as bad as we make it out to be or or that's pejorative, yeah. I, I think there's a difference between the person who makes a very clear choice to, or and how often we make that clear choice. I guess, say, mm-hmm. I'm I'm putting this idol above God, right? Um, and you know, and, and I think in in as a Christian, that you know, I, we have to be on guard about that. You know, I'm right. putting things above God. I think that's a very different thing than a person who has nothing and is just yeah this is what gives them meaning right. i I think one of the elements of idolatry for me that I necessarily that I don't necessarily see in the film, but that I think you're touching on is not necessarily what your life is structured around, but that which you believe or expect gives your life meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul is self aware in a very deprecatory way that. As much as his life revolves around Arsenal, that it doesn't give his life any meaning. Yeah. Um, it is in some ways a diversion from the meaninglessness that he feels. And in that way, I, I feel like most of Nick Hornby's quotes that the film is very postmodern, and that the, the essential postmodern theme is not the death of God but it's being born into a world without God and then trying to make whatever, you know, the attempts to make meaning in a world in which you've been told God no longer exists. And there's always something that's a little bit poignant about that. Um, So I, I, you had said almost like idolatry is something you put above God in a very Christian way. And, and, I sometimes think of what Paul is doing or what some postmodern literature or film is doing as a substitute for God, Mm -hmm. you know, but not as a substitute in the sense of I don't want God anymore and I'm going to accept this as a substitute as I don't have God, but I need something to keep my life going and to give my life some sort of meaning or purpose, however absurd that is, because... You know, we're just not hardwired to go through life right? saying how meaningless it is. And so it's all interesting to me how often the characters in this film say some version of the question, well, what's the point? What's the point of it all? Right. What's the point of the soccer? What's the point of the obsession? What's the point of working hard in your job? Uh, and in that way, like a lot of postmodern literature, I, I think the film is very keyed into the book of Ecclesiastes, which also reflects, you know, someone at the end of his life looking back on life and sort of saying, aside from God or a relationship from God, what is the point of anything? Maybe it's the case for me that um, I chafe a little bit because I've been in some fundamentalist communities where I don't like the idolatry thing because I will see how, in that sense, Even a lot of Christians will have idols. It's just easier to dismiss or talk pejoratively about sports or something that you don't particularly share. But, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes says family can be an idol. You know, work can be an idol. Sex or pleasure can be an idol. And these are not inherently bad things. Right. They are things which become perverted or broken, when we expect them to fill that void in our lives that only God can fill. And I think one of the things that, that Paul is right on about is that he recognizes intuitively that some of the things about his fanship for Arsenal are not intrinsically bad. You know, in right way we have this category, idle, bad, you've know, got good. The passion, uh the sense of fun and play, the ability to connect with other people rather than be alienated or alone are all things that are not only intrinsically good, but that he deeply, deeply longs for. Right. Uh, that he longs for so much that he's willing to accept this sort of broken vessel that leaks and gets a lot of the water out, but gives him little driblets of of water rather than a full stream that he can drink from heartily. Yeah, it kind of goes back to, I mean, if you don't have anything, yeah. the broken imperfect is better than nothing. And and he seems to know that. I mean, I think, you know, in, you know, yes, he has these things in his life, but there are these little moments where, you know, he wants a girlfriend. He wants to have a connection with a woman. Um, yes, when oh. the girlfriend gets pregnant, he, there is that juvenile, but there is a part of him that sort of senses, you know, I want to be a dad. I yeah. want there to be something more. and. And we see that even the, you know that that impulse, you know, even he's a teacher, and we see him reaching out to one particular boy uh, in in the class, and you know he seems to think that he has something to offer. I mean, he, there are definite boundaries that he draws with the kids. he's you know he knows that, but but I think you know we see these little inklings that well, yeah when girlfriend Sarah does become pregnant, you know, say, oh, I, you know this is the next step. Um, he doesn't know what to do with it. And that yeah, provides some of the humor, um, but and she's not wrong that his response is not exactly trustworthy in no.
0: <laughs> being
1: stable. And yet, it, it gives us the foundation so that by the end of the film, when he's he really has changed, it, it doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? You know, there are the building blocks here for him to have what would be a more socially acceptable life. Or a life that isn't revolving around Arsenal. Right revolving now around two people. It is sort of teasing out that idolatry theme a little bit, um, I should say as a way of thought summary, uh, Arsenal is this historically bad team or not very good team that has not won the championship in the eighteen years that Paul has been a fan. He continually sort of saying, you know, I've wanted something for 18 years and been perpetually disappointed. Uh, So the timeline of the movie follows along with them having a season where they're in first place. It looks like they're going to be in the championship. It looks like they've blown it and are going to lose the championship, and then it all comes down to, you know, one game. Paul has a speech at the end in voiceover in which he says in voiceover, that something happened in that championship game or in that moment that, quote, allowed him to give it up, you know,
0: to mm-hmm. to
1: change, you know, that something changed in him, or he says in his relationship with Arsenal, and that he was still a fan. He uses a lot of relationship metaphors right there. I still see them from time to time, but I have a life apart from them. And I was just wondering... We were talking a little bit in pre-show. What if anything you make about of his statement that their success allowed him to quote give them up because he hasn't given them up, right? But in another sense, I think he's right that something has changed, and I think that something to me is very important in thinking about idolatry. So I wonder if you could gloss that sort of, you know.
0: Well, I, I, it,
1: I think in some sense. Yeah, and When you look at this film, yes, it's about Arsenal, and yes, it's about this boy growing up to be a man, but I wonder if it isn't so much... It isn't that he's a, necessarily a fan of the team. It, it's, he's a teen, it's, a, it's the success. It's, it's that moment. Once they have that moment, that frees him up. So, I mean, what is it, I guess, the question, what is it in him as a person mm-hmm. that is kind of correlating to Arsenal never winning? He's never won. Right. Um, and again, there's an unhealthy, dysfunctional enmeshment with the team. Enmeshment, identity. That somehow gets separated so that he is still a fan of the team and in love with the team, but not enmeshed with the team. Yeah. He, he says their successes were no longer my successes. I think he even says, I had my own life. Right. And I always wonder if, yeah, you know, Arsenal had their success, and, you know, maybe it them having the success allows him to, re, you know, he's an he's very happy, he's dancing in the streets. But, you know, there is that thing about sports, being a sports fan, is your, your emotions are all tied up into the success of what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as superstitious as we might be about, you know, wearing our jersey and, you know, watching the game and what and cheering on, um, you're not the team. You're not the athlete doing the action. Mm -hmm. And so they've reached the pinnacle. They've done their thing, and he's very pleased. In his own life, though, he's also, he is doing things in his own life. He's got a kid. He's got a job. He's got a wife. Um, These things are good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's that, maybe it was that moment real, you know, that helped him realize, I, I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. to, and, and isn't this the thing with idols, in terms of, in, in the very literal sense of a religious idol? You don't do anything to the idol. You know, that's the thing, you know, throughout scripture, you know, it's just a piece of wood that doesn't hear you. Well, you brought up a very important word as I was thinking about it. That's tied into idolatry, which is superstition. Right. You know, and that's another way in which sports and sports allegiance maybe runs in this concentric circle with idolatry is that both of them are superstition is about fear and helplessness and that the mind recoils at. We don't like the prospect or contemplating the prospect that we are without recourse, that we are hopeless, that we can do nothing, and we would rather, in a sense, subject ourselves to the tyranny of idolatry or superstition. Uh, Sarah gets on Paul at one point point is sort of saying, you can't miss a single game because you're letting the boys down. You know, you really think, on one level, intellectually, you may know that they can't hear me cheering through the TV set but there's a, some part of you that really believes that they can because to admit that they can't, admits that it's all just random and the mind recoils about that and there's nothing that I can do about that. And that's, it's back to substitution rather than putting that, right. you know, against God. There's, there's a wonderful little scene in which uh, the, the school kid that he's coaching misses a key penalty kick that's going to help the school team win the championship. And he misses it, and Paul Comfort and says, well, you know, you can choose between you making this pick and Arsenal winning tomorrow, which would you take? And kid says, oh, Arsenal, that's much more important. Well, you've done your part. You've done it. your part. You know? You missed and, the goal. And on one hand, the kid says, so you're saying Arsenal's going to win today because I missed uh, the... What? Well, you've done your part. Yeah. You know, you... And, that's stupid, but you know what the mind really recoils at in terms of superstition is that I may not have a part to play; that I'm essentially, a, you know, I'm essentially a spectator. I don't know how the superstition ties up into the end, other than I think one of the things uh, that's true of idols, and maybe I'm talking myself into believing it really is an idol, <laughs> is that they always disappoint, right? You know, the dangerous thing if I can channel screw tape letters, is not for the idol to remain mysterious and hidden, but for the idol to be revealed. The dangerous thing is not for him to be perpetually disappointed. It's for him to experience that lack of disappointment, that joy, because there's, that joy always comes with a little bit of disappointment, like that's all it is. I built this thing up into my mind as the the end all be all most important thing in life, and now it's happened, and what else do I have to live for what else am I defined by and Sometimes we run the risk of when we idolatize I uh, turn into idols, particular experiences yes. that are seemingly unattainable the attaining of them can be this risk this huge disappointment of. Even that was not sufficient enough to give my life meaning, because I know tomorrow there's going to be another game. It's going to be back to that. And I don't want to live my life that way anymore. I don't want to be I don't want my joy to be tied to the creases of the gods or the idols. I want it. I want to put my faith or my security in something I can really depend on. Depend on or perhaps in this case of this film, Control that I have control in, and then, and that's where I think you know it gets an interesting shift. You know, like Influence look. over. I mean, yeah, you know, I would argue from a Christian standpoint that you don't really have control over God. Well, no, you don't, and that's where I think this gets interesting. But you still have more security in God because of right. His faithfulness to His own Word than you do in fickle things like sports, which you might have more control over. You can right, you know, you could buy a ticket and go to the game and. Probably have a little bit more control over the energy that the craft feeds off, you know. I just I think of Paul at the end of this movie, you know, moving on. Mm-hmm. He's now moving in, he's structuring his life around relationships with his wife, with his kid. It seems to be an assumption that there is marriage coming down the road, but we don't get that. But
0: yeah, I, it's
1: hinted at to come because he, I mean, he asks her to or she wants to and. She's remote it because he's a child he's yeah. a man child. And he's no longer a man child, but yeah. Um but it you know, in, in this film the moving past the idol is, is into something that he's more in control of. I think in the Christian life, no, I mean it's we, we wanna hang our hat on God, who is dependable and always there. I think mean, you know fever pitch 2, You know, it would be interesting, you know, how, how does Paul and Sarah, how do they move up, move on and move forward would be an interesting thing to think about, but. Yeah. And, 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 you know, does the family then become his idol? Right. Or whether or not the things that he is looking towards and for to give his life meaning, which are more culturally acceptable. Right. You know, marriage, family, job. And hence, because those things are more socially acceptable, you'll get more cultural support in pursuing them as given mean, but whether they'll be enough, or whether they ever are, actually are enough, because, well, that's the book of Ecclesiastes, other people fail, other things fail, that, that people, relationships, spouses,
0: are more secure mm-hmm. than sports teams, you know, are more stable than sports teams.
1: But neither is faithful in the way that God is faithful right. to, you know, to be able to change. And even if they are perfectly faithful in however you want to parse that word, they don't necessarily have the power to fill that void which is in us because they're not eternal. Well, that brings us back to an earlier point where they're wonderful, good things, but they are not designed to to do that work. Right. So, so you taught me you taught me into it, or I talked myself into it that I, I guess I've arrived at the point where I will say, yeah, I guess I think I'm going to retract this. <laughs> I, I, I do think that that soccer and Arsenal is an idol for all. But I also think that my chafing at that term points to some very productive thoughts about the way some Christians or evangelicals are a lot more contemptuous or disdainful of certain idols rather than other people's idols or recognizing other people's idols than they are some of their own. It, it, you know the speck in your eye is far more offensive to me than the log in my own, right, and I think that's one of the things that we see going on here and the speck in your eye, and also that you know the gospel is supposed to be the good news. and so our response to that speck metaphor you know metaphorically would be, hey, great news, you don't have to you don't have to live with that. you don't have to have that. As opposed to oh, I look down my nose at you because you have a spec and I don't. Yeah. Alright. So interesting conversation. Overall impressions of the film? I, I love Fever Pitts. I think it's the, the, the best sports movie that there ever has been because I think it's it's an intelligent movie about sports and our relationship to sports. I'm also a sucker for Nick Hornby. I mean, anything that he writes, I think is is uh, you know he's the poet laureate of of the postmodern for for me anyway. And it's funny because I don't I think of it as less a sports film as it is as it, as it is a, a romance. I hate to use the the romantic comedy label because so I don't think it fits there. But I don't really don't like those kind of films, and I find this movie very satisfying. Right. And uh, the, the characters are people you like. Um, they, you know, Paul can be very frustrating, but that's what he's supposed to be, and you, you, but you want him to do well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that's good. We've forgotten that comedy can be great. Comedy can be substantial, or comedy can be needy, you know, very needy as art. But it's hard. It's very, very difficult because. Is is interlaced or enmeshed with a kind of with a kind of sadness that gives it gravitas rather than. And I think Peter film stuff. has that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. If you would like to catch more of Ken's reviews, um, he's now on Pathos. Um, is there a specific address? You can just type the number one morefilmblog.com and it will redirect to the okay. host side of Pathos. Great. And, um, Ken is also on Twitter at at Marfield and the other venues. Uh, if you want to see all, if you want to listen to all episodes of the podcast, you can check them out at, uh,
0: Great. See you next time.